Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Like my Spanish. Okay, go ahead. Hey, uh, welcome to the podcast. This is uh, Deacon John and Joe from lovely Denver, Colorado. Are you still Deacon John? Yes. Okay. I am for another two weeks. Well, no, I'm just thinking podcast time. Oh. But I think wow, you're right. podcast time. This is the Wednesday before I'm ordained. This is three days before I'm ordained. This is next Wednesday. No, next Wednesday. Ten days before I'm okay. ordained. Okay. We're getting close. We're getting close, but um, you know, I just want to start with a uh, apology in advance. How does that sound, Joe? Because I, uh, I've it's been about on, time. I've been on Percocet for four days, so um, I'm a little emotionally volatile. If I if I go into a fit of rage over something you say, just continue with the podcast. <laughs> Good to know. It's a, I had my second surgery to take out these massive screws out of my ankle. And, uh, yeah, from when I was skiing on the blue, as Joe aptly reminded our audience. And uh, you're, I didn't ago. say anything this time. <laughs> this is all you, man. Yeah, it's good for humility. The, uh, um, but the screws are out and I can walk again, but they gave me these outrageous pain pills. And, uh, I'm looking at my foot and it says the word yes on it. Did you know that you have to write, uh, you have to write on which foot so they don't do the wrong I think one. that's so funny. Yeah. So my foot has a huge yes on it. And, uh, I think it's even funnier that you, it's been like five days since surgery and it still says yes. Do you know why foot. it's okay. You know why it says yes? Cause I can't ba- I can't, um, wash it because there's a huge, um, incision. Oh, that makes sense. Well, so. now you have a better excuse for not bathing, I guess. <laughs> All right. To the podcast. <laughs> All right. We're talking about Pascal candle, Johnny. Pascal candle. This is actually kind of sad because we just did a podcast. I was going to say, this. I know a lot about this. Yeah, why don't you do the podcast? The reason I know a lot about this is because we did this podcast yesterday, uh, but something happened and it didn't record. Yeah, that was a we real We did the bummer. whole damn thing. It was probably the best podcast we've ever done ever. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> that's not true, actually. Yeah, that's happened twice, and that's probably the most frustrating thing on the planet. So, uh, yeah. So, here we so go John's going to be a lot more vocal this so time. So, the Pascal candle. What is the Pascal <clears throat> candle? What's that all about, Joe? Well, I wanted to talk about this, John, because we are in Easter, and many of us, uh, it's fresh in our memory if we've gone to the Easter vigil, uh, remember that it began in the back of the church with a fire and all these prayers and a candle being processed into the church. Now, wait a second. Why is the Easter vigil, why is that different? Why is that a big deal? Why is it a big deal? Why is it the height of the liturgies of the, the mother of all vigils the mother of all vigils. that's what st augustine actually said well john i don't know if you know this, but jesus rose from the dead ah uh, and we celebrate that excellent the easter vigil right. that's just that's the it. simple answer you know, that's for rebecca just making sure she knows the scriptures better than we do because she's baptist but just wanted to make sure you know why do we have a vigil just you know that's right actually it's funny the easter vigil we don't know exactly how far it goes back we think it goes back all the way to the early church because um, and the Paschal Candle as well. Well, all we know is this, that from the early church on, they had a service called Lucernarium. Uh, I don't know what that means in Latin. Maybe something with light? Yeah, well, definitely with light. Yeah, but um, I basically, um, when the early Romans were writing about the Christians, they would say that they would wake up um, early, early, early in the morning or go out, you know, the last day of the week, uh, on the morning of the first day of the week, and they would hold this vigil where they would sing songs and they do these prayers. And they're very strange people, these Christians. You know, they would do these things. Um, and that's, our, that's the most extra biblical evidence we have of these services taking place at the first day of the week hmm. um, that these Christians would hold. And they would, and as far back as we know, they've had this, a candle of some sort that had a significance, this Paschal candle. So this thing we do, and, these, and it was presumed that uh, the Sunday before, you know, the morning of Easter, it would be even a more solemn, 
more great occasion, you know. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, our Easter vigil that we celebrate as Catholics, which many of us uh, probably were at a few weeks ago, has its roots that go back pretty far. So this isn't just something we made up in the Middle Ages or it's, something uh, like that. It's this cool. Is, I got to hold the Easter candle this year. Oh, that's right. You sang the... Because uh, I was the deacon. I walked in with this monster candle, and I have a boot on my leg, so I'm trying not to drop this huge <laughs> For thing. For those who don't know, this candle is like, well, how big would you say it is? Oh, like, I would say it was at least six feet. Six feet? How And how wide? Like uh, a chunk of big. wax. Yeah, it was a fatty, fatty candle. A fatty candle. And, uh, and it was the light of Christ that I'm the only one bearing, so if I drop <laughs> this thing, I've extinguished the light of Christ on Easter. Or you've lit the church on fire. Or I've lit the church on fire, what which are, almost happened. Uh, did it really? Yeah. The uh, the we got this old um, sorry another tangent here. But we got this old sacristan named John in my parish. Good guy, but he loves fire. I just found out he's like seventy, but he loves fire. He's like <laughs> a little kid, and I was watching him dump bottles of um, what do you call it uh, lighter fluid lighter fluid onto the because you have a little fire coal fire in the back charcoal now charcoals light themselves but you don't need lighter fluid but he is like dumping bottles and bottles and bottles so <laughs> father leonard goes to light it and it's just like this like ball of fire explodes i was like man if this is gonna look like a total cult if uh you know somebody shows up and they're not catholic but yeah it's really pretty sweet now that's cool the easter vigil beautiful liturgy and it's like that it's when, you, when it begins for those who haven't been uh, the all the lights in the church are off, and there's a, one fire, a big fire in the back of the church, maybe outside the church or in the entranceway of the church. Uh, so this is what John's referring to. And from this fire, you know, the the priest. When I was at, at the, I was at the cathedral, and the archbishop was blessing the fire and saying these prayers, uh, and then he lights this big candle from this fire uh, representing Christ, and he processes into this pitch black cathedral. With this candle, the deacon does, and he holds up the light and says, "What is Christ our light, thanks be to God. And then I got to sing it higher and higher and higher as we process in. If you've never been to the Easter Vigil, which I never went to as a kid, it's really sweet. It's it's a beautiful, it's an amazing experience. Awesome. So I would highly recommend that next year if, uh, if you've never been. And you're like, yeah, I'll spice it up, you know. Exactly. So why don't you talk about the uh, symbolism of the candle? What is it? What's the main thing it symbolizes? Well, what I learned on Sunday was that the candle symbolizes Christ. Right? Go on. And that's about all I got. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, Christ, who is the light of the world, dispelling the darkness. Uh, and he walks into, and he brings, you know, just like coming forth from the from the tomb, uh, he comes forth uh, from the darkness, you know, with this great light, you know, lighting up the darkness. The light of the, the resurrection, yeah. It's, and it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, um, and as you process in with the, the monster candle that is Christ, then they light all the little candles, little baby candles. And so everybody has a candle. So you look out over the, the church, it's just pitch black, but it's a sea of candles, and it's kind of like Christ, the light of Christ in all of these souls, but then like the the big one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, awesome. It's, it's cool. awesome. And uh, yeah, so let's talk about some more, like what what's, what's the candle like? So candles, these things come in all shapes and sizes. Apparently the biggest one ever was in Salisbury, the Salisbury Cathedral. It you had, said Salzburg last time. Did I? Salisbury. Salisbury's in England. Salzburg is in Austria. No, Salisbury. Okay. So, so it was probably Anglican. Maybe it was. I don't know. But this thing was 36 feet tall, which that's, I think is just ridiculous. That's insane. Can you imagine a 36 foot, foot tall? But they don't, they're not usually that big. They're usually like about 48 inches tall yeah. or so. Um, but there's all these sorts of markings and notches on the candle. We're going to talk about, okay, what's so the basic things. There's a cross on it right. symbolizing Christ. There's the, uh, what did you say there was last Alpha time? Alpha and the Omega. Which is? First in the last letter in the Greek alpha. Greek alphabet, and it comes from Revelation, where Christ is the the first and the last, exactly it's the, the beginning, beginning and the end. end. Um, There's also another cool uh, temporal thing there. We also put, we it's, also it's put the in year. the year. That's right. So he carves in the year at the beginning of the the Easter Vigil, which is cool. It's not just kind of like labeling it the year, but it's it's actually a symbol 
that Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, beginning and the end, but he's also 2011, right here, right now. The concrete universal. <laughs> exactly. The imminent transcendent. That's right. He is He is present to us here. Um, there's another cool thing. Uh, while he's uh, the priest is lighting the candle in the back of the church and saying the prayers over the fire and blessing the candle, as he's blessing it, he puts in these five markings into the candle, right. etches them in. They're, uh, what are they, little stones of incense. Right. And they're red, symbolizing the five wounds of Christ. So, you know, Christ did the two on the hands, two on the feet, one on the side. And so uh, it's marked with these It's marked with these fragrant, uh, these fragrant gems, symbolizing the fragrance of grace that comes forth from the wounds of Christ, by which we're saved and healed. Yeah. Really cool stuff. But the really cool thing we talked about last time, which I think is cool, is the... Uh, the beeswax. Beeswax. So, okay, so I this talked is, about... by the way, this is crazy what you're about to hear. Well, I, I think this is wild. So, Archbishop at the cathedral, I, I'm totally stealing this from him, because in his homily, he talked about how Catholics, we have rules about everything. People, rules, some people, some people think we have rules about everything, and you know what? It's right. We do have rules about we everything. We got rules about everything. And, uh, but... We need to understand why we have the rules. So we have and rules for a reason. We have rules for... Imagine yeah. that. Rules for a reason. Interesting. Exactly. Um, and one of the rules we have um, is about beeswax and candles. Every single candle... John, did you know this before? That every single candle used in the sacraments... Now, just, this isn't just every candle in the liturgy, but this is specifically the Paschal candle, baptismal candles that are part of the sacraments have to be at least 51% beeswax. I did not know that. Yeah, 51 but it has to be mostly beeswax. Now tell me why Catholics have this stupid rule <laughs> that it has to be 51% beeswax. That is beeswax. a great question. It's, it's you would think it's stupid, but just you wait. Just I wait. So what's the deal with beeswax? Most most candles are made from paraffin. I think it's a chemical, really cheap. Uh, it burns differently than beeswax does. But most in the history of the church, we've been using beeswax a lot. So let's just talk about beeswax for a second. I got this from the what is it Santa Fe company or beeswax, beeswax candles company. uh and they're you know this is from their website and this is archbishop actually read this in the homily too so that's where i stole it from oh, too nice. this is so this is beeswax beeswax is a different kind of candle it's all natural non-toxic non-polluting non-allergenic with a delicious honey sweet aroma that sounds nice it is nice a perfect renewable resource beeswax is made by the female worker bee for honeycomb so it's made by the female worker bee which safely contains their honey, and the queen's baby bees. So to produce one pound of beeswax, this is the crazy part. This is crazy. So get this, one pound of beeswax, the worker bees eat about 10 pounds of honey, fly 150,000 miles collectively, and visit 33 million flower blossoms. That's crazy. For one pound of beeswax. So bees eat honey? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either, actually. Uh, And what they say is beeswax is precious stuff. I mean, this takes a lot to make. And that's that's the importance of it right there, is that this is precious stuff that we use for our sacraments. Uh, Because what's happening in these sacraments and what the beeswax candle is a symbol of is something that's really precious. It's not something that we could just, you know, that's really cheap or something like that. And I think another really good principle behind all of the uh, rules, so to speak, about what kind of wine, what kind of bread, what kind of candle, what kind of oil is that um, the sacraments are from nature, right? They're visible signs. So they're, they're God instituted them in nature. Yeah. And the more natural, the better. 
because it really is a full expression. It's so a fruit can, of the earth. You can we can chemically do anything now, but to have a like something that's writ in nature, like bees actually do this. They make these candles, and Christ spoke about this. He invoked this language, and he did this thing, this symbol. It makes most sense that it would come fully out of nature, instead of uh, just some kind of like uh, I don't know some big. No, pot, it, ma- it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is the this is the fruit of the earth, like the creation of God. That his create his creatures have worked with right. and and give back to him. It's right. a beautiful thing. So the bees kind of have a place of honor to some degree. Yeah. And this is what's the cool thing because we actually this is the other thing with the beeswax. The more theological, tradition, liturgical underpinnings of it is that. And we talked about this, I think, when we uh, did the podcast on the new translation. Uh, we talked about the exalted and the bees. Right? You remember that? I do. And now when you sang the Exalted... I was just thinking, I'm going to tell you the story about when I met John Paul. <laughs> just, just joking. The, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you sang the Exalted, I right? sang the Exalted. Hitting every note. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Five-minute solo, as yeah, you say. The, yeah, I don't know. It was a long, long... The Exalted is is a uh, ancient, ancient hymn that you. what you really are is, is typically sung by the deacon at the beginning of the Easter Vigil. All the, the only thing it's is candles. Uh, it's still totally dark. And he sings the resurrection, so to speak. He, he, he kind of proclaims, exalts to creation uh, the glory of Christ risen. It's a very powerful, powerful thing and a very intimidating thing to sing a solo that's about five minutes long. With no music accompaniment. Or Just anything. solo, straight it's, up. It's, it's, it is beautiful and powerful. It's an ancient hymn, John says. It goes back to about the 5th century, we know. We don't right. really know who wrote it. We know that Ambrose, Augustine, Jerome, they all wrote and talked about hymns like this. And it seems like this was kind of the cream of the crop by the fifth century, and they just oh, said, yeah. "Oh, we'll just stick with this one because yeah. it's so good." Yeah. Um, and we see this; we still sing it. However, and, and in the Exalted that was written, there is a mention of bees in the Latin, in the Latin, right, in the original. But in the one that you sang, John, you didn't talk about bees. I didn't sing about bees. And this is one of the things with this new translation that will be implemented Advent of 2011 uh, is going to be changing. The bees are coming back. The bees are coming exalted. back. So next Easter vigil, you're here about the bees, and this is what you're going to hear. I'm going to read you real quick. Uh, just this little excerpt from the from the exalted. Uh, it says this: Accept this Easter candle, a flame divided but undimmed, a pillar of fire that glows to the honor of God. So it actually symbolizes the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud that guided the Egyptian or the um, Israelites, you know, through the through the wilderness. Very nice. Um, and then it goes on: For this candle is fed by the holy melting. This fire is fed by the holy melting wax, which the mother bee brought forth to make this precious candle. Let it mingle with the lights of heaven and continue to bur- bravely burning to dispel the darkness of this night. The bees. The, the bees, bees are back. The bees are back. So just that one little line about, you know, the flame being fed by the holy melting wax, which the mother bee brought forth to make this precious candle. So why? what's up with that? I mean, the we mother, hear that and be like, okay, bee. what's the deal with the mother the bee? Who cares? Well, to understand why this is important, it, we need to understand the, how mother bees and candle wax actually works. Now, I don't know the mechanics of how the wax is made itself. But we do know that the mother bee makes the wax. Gotcha. Um, and it, she makes it through a process, which I can't recall the name of, but it's um, it's involved in a proce- her process of reproduction, of, of having offspring. But when a mother bee has offspring, she is virginal in some sense. Like there's a, her virginity, if you can say that about a bee, <laughs> is preserved um, through the process of that. And it gives really? forth to this wax um, and it's and it's beautiful because this you know this wax ends up being the light representing Christ and in the same way it kind of harkens back to Our Lady the virginal mother 
who gives forth this light of the world, this this you know candle of Christ, I yeah. guess, this pillar of of fire uh, to the world to dispel the darkness. So it's just a beautiful analogy out of creation, seen in creation, harkening back and reminding us. I and mean, we don't know about bees process, but maybe back you know for the last two thousand years, this has been something that people most people know about. So when they would hear this, they would say, "Hey, that's." That's a beautiful analogy that's of a, the virgin birth. Analogous to the virgin birth. Wow. It's, it's that's a great crazy. allegory. So it's just a little thing there. The but queen bee. And this is, John, you were saying this last time, I think, about how um, you know, these symbols are meant to teach us. Right. But sometimes we need to relearn the symbolism so we can, when we're, if we know the symbols, when we're in the context of prayer, surrounded by them, our prayer can be enriched by the messages we're receiving from these symbols when, yeah, we, when we meditate this, on the them. The Second Vatican Council talked about how because the sacraments are signs, that's what sacramenta means, sign. Um, that as signs, they're meant to instruct, but we've lost a sacramental way of thinking, a symbolic way of thinking, so things don't mean anything anymore. Nothing means anything. Uh, we live in a world where we give meaning to this. I will determine my the meaning of my life. It, it's existentialism. Right. Sartre is the kind of the, and Nietzsche, the great proponent of Which there's this. a need for, but it, it goes to Which the is beautiful. There's a beautiful Christian existentialism, but if it goes too far, we determine the meaning of everything versus... Uh, our life is about being conformed to the meaning of all things, which is mm-hmm. what is true. So there's a whole way of we need to rethink. And I was talking about this last time. Father Peter, friend of ours, who you might hear from in the uh, following podcast, he uh, he does a great little thing. He uh, uh, At the end of each Mass, he just gives a quick tidbit about one of the images, one of the symbols, one of the things in Mass. And it's real quick, but people love it because it's like, oh, you're bringing meaning. Like candles make sense now. Because you said that, or incense, or all of these different things that we do, the sign of the cross, whatever it is. So hopefully we'll get to that in weeks to come. Good stuff, man. But we got a good start with the Paschal Candle today. The uh, I think we're out of time, so no uh, no emails, but thank you for your emails and keep them coming. Comments, concerns, questions, send them to us, Podcast at gmail.com.